0: You feel like a complete and utter Muppet. i around reading law books on the weekend. Oh, God, this is interesting. (laughs) They've they've amended section 127. This was supposed to send you off on a good note, not (laughs) (laughs) thinking about climate change. You're listening to The Briefcase. Hello and welcome to the show. It is 24 August 2023. I'm Sarah and I am your host. And hey, I have some exciting news. I am shortly going to launch a brand new podcast called they don't teach you at law school because let's face it the priestly 11 is only the beginning and you tend to learn all the real stuff you actually need to know through a series of mortifying decisions and embarrassing foibles you need to violently suppress in order to maintain any semblance of professional self-esteem Maybe that's just me. But in any event, we're going to change the baptism of fire for future generations with this new show and hopefully help a few new grads be less sh- than we were. I've been posting about it on LinkedIn. So if you want to catch up on the hot goss, you can follow me there. I'll put a link to my profile in the show notes for your quick reference. And that means that at the end of this season of The Briefcase, I'm going to hit pause for just a hot second on season four to get sh- up and running which is exciting because that basically means girlfriend will officially have a podcast empire Empire. but the big super exciting hyper mega fun news is that i'm on the lookout for co-hosts on the new show i want to hear from you if you want to help the next gen of lawyers and you're comfortable being open honest and frank about your own mistakes too i will challenge you and i might even make fun of you but rest assured i will never ever let you use the sound effect button. I'm looking for all lawyers of all kinds, judges, barristers, ex-lawyers, and a network of cool legal ops and crossover professions such as accountants, psychologists, creatives, and really anyone who has something to say about lawyer job readiness and the shit show that is early career legal practice. But mostly you, because don't tell the others, but you're totally my favorite listener and I think it would be cool to have you on this side of the mic for a change. So if that sounds exciting to you, send me a DM, an email, whatever it takes. But do it quickly because the show is launching soon. Soon. If you are the strong and silent type and you prefer to keep your anonymity but still contribute to the conversation, you can still send me your thoughts, opinions, suggestions on all the taboo skill and knowledge gaps no one ever talks about in public but everyone talks about in private. What do you think Uni doesn't prepare us for? Whatever it is, I want to know. I have been overwhelmed by the response so far. There's been hundreds of suggestions, but I want yours because I don't think anyone has said what you have to say. There is a link in the show notes to an anonymous one-question survey you can fill out in the time it takes to say, one half-strength almond ice vanilla latte, please, made with extra love and also cream. Anyway, now that I've thoroughly derailed the show by talking about a totally different project, what's in the briefcase this week? It's award-winning advocate Thelma Schwartz, Principal Legal Officer at Quiffles, who joins us to share how storytelling, trauma awareness and, yes, even taxi drivers can make you a better lawyer. Season 3 of the briefcase is brought to you by our friends at the University of Queensland Law School. Check the show notes for a master's custom-built for you. So, Thelma, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, it really is. So you are Principal Legal Officer at Quiffles? I am. And that stands for?
1: The Queensland Indigenous Family Violence Legal Service.
0: And what do you primarily do there?
1: I wear a number of different hats, so I'm responsible for overseeing our legal practice which is a state practice having offices in Cairns, Townsville, Rockhampton, Mount Isa, Bamaga, Thursday Island, Brisbane, to name a few. And our head office is based in Cairns. So that is in you know, recognition and at the direction of our board, who we were very minded that you know, as a regional remote service provider, we needed to stay close to the heart of our business, which is in regional remote Queensland,
0: so that means you're on little planes a lot then?
1: Yes, definitely. When I've been on circuits with my teams, um, yes, the little planes, quite familiar with little planes in Cape. The little planes out in the Torres as well, you know, when you're island hopping, going between um, the regions. When we're going out into community, we're out, you know, flying.
0: Yeah, of course. Because it's more
1: convenient. Um, you don't face the issues of, you know, breakdown in the middle of whoop whoop. And given a shortage of lawyers that all businesses in Queensland are experiencing, it doesn't matter if you're a legal assistance provider or not, it's hard to find experienced lawyers. I'm stepping into supervising frontline service delivery as well. So I'm supervising my Rockhampton, Mount Manizer and Cairns offices at the moment mm-hmm. across the state. So, and then running projects. So we've got a number of different projects and a big part of my my back end role, besides business management, is strategic policy. So quite a fair bit yes. um, that that you you do in a day. And this week, I think for the last two weeks, my CEO has been on leave, so I've been acting up um, in terms of uh, you know our service delivery, business side of things. So yeah, not in
0: terms of while the cat's away, no. acting up that way. No, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. So you mentioned that you're doing a lot of policy work.
1: Yes. What's on the horizon in your neck of the woods? Oh, good God. (laughs) Um, So currently the the National Agreement on Closing the Gap, which all states and territories, including the Commonwealth, are parties to. They've all signed off their accountability measures. Mm -hmm. Closing the Gap has 17 socioeconomic targets, Four of those are specifically related to justice. So targets 10 and 11 relate to adult and youth imprisonment and seeing reductions in the over-representations of adults and youth in jails and detention facilities by 2031. Target 12 relates to the over-representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and young people in the out-of-home care system. We're wanting to achieve a 45% reduction by 2031 and most importantly for my line of work in domestic and family violence is target 13 and seeing a reduction of violence against aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and children mm. by 50 percent as we progress to zero by 2031 so these justice targets are now being driven across each state and territory through the justice policy partnership and the work that I'm doing here in Queensland is behind the scenes with the Justice Policy Partnership Cross Agency Working Group in conjunction with government. So you've got the First Nations Justice Office here in Queensland, all re- relevant government agencies and the Coalition of PEAK members, Aboriginal community controlled um, bodies, looking to see how we actually build reform that will actually affect Reductions in young people Mm. and adults in prison by twenty thirty one. How do you do that? That's correct. How do we do that when we see continuously and coming into an election next year, we know that there is always a tough on crime approach. Mm. We see in the newspapers daily the reporting of youth crime out of control Mm. and a lack of an appropriate response. um, You know, through the media lens of government. We see government announcing we're building more prisons and detention centres. Now, how is that going to see a, a reduction in mm-hmm. overrepresentation? I'm tired of feeding the system. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of our money on tertiary responses, mm-hmm. but we don't spend a lot of time in early intervention. So early intervention and prevention, when we're looking at the transformation of the system here in Queensland particularly, we're focusing on behaviours. You're talking about resetting and confronting a Mm behaviour. We need to educate community. Why is it that every week, without fail in this country, you can open up a newspaper and there is a reportable death of an adult or a child within a domestic and family violence context? Mm -hmm. It says to me that there is a serious problem in this country and why aren't we confronting what's at the heart why people are harming Mm. others within you know intimate partner relationships informal care relationships familial relationships Mm. so I'm taking a focus to more earlier interventions and supports education awareness behavioral change prior to them entering into the criminal justice system which includes having a look at gender gender stereotypes roles of people within relationships and you can have a look at how much we spend in our budget every year on housing clothing feeding building corrective correctional centers mm. and you're like if we carved out some of this and reinvested earlier we could probably save a lot of money
0: and a lot of lives and, a
1: lot of lives. and obviously with target 12 there is a plethora of data about domestic and family violence and its impacts on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Mm. And we know that if there is an incident with domestic and family violence and young people are exposed, Mm. the evidence is clear that they go into the system as either perpetrators Mm -hmm. or they will then become victims. Mm. They will then be subsumed into the child protection system. We at Quiffles have always maintained the presumption of equal shared parental Should be removed because it fails to take into account coercive control and always put first and foremost the primacy of safety because the primacy of safety Mm. more naturally aligns with what is in the best interests of the child. Mm. So that's the type of policy work currently being done on the Closing the Gap. Uh, We're called on to consult quite broadly on a number of pieces of legislation. So one of the big ones that we've just had a lot of work to do is the recent Family Law Amendment Bill around the expansion on the definition of family and kin, particularly. We've also contributed to the murdered and missing inquiry of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So we do a lot of work at the national Commonwealth level and then here at the state government Mm -hmm. level. This is about now government actually saying, okay, We're taking on those recommendations we are now transforming and this is about a whole of system response if we're not courageous to do this then you know you're going to have to accept that we're going to be coming back again in five years Mm. doing it all over again we haven't done anything and the the rates of deaths will continue Mm. unabated
0: Mm. if there's one message you could give to general practitioners across queensland or something that you would want them to be mindful of in their carriage of Domestic and family violence matters, what would it be?
1: I think when someone comes into you to see you, if they're seeking assistance, especially if they're a victim survivor, please don't prejudge them. You know, I think you need to have a level of empathy, and this is not sympathy, empathy and awareness, that the degree of courage it is taking for that victim survivor to actually come into your room... Mm-hmm and want to start talking and unpacking domestic and family violence, this is a momentous occasion. Um, And it's momentous because they've been carrying this for so long and they've only just come to a realisation point that the behaviours that they've experienced are not healthy. The behaviours that they're experiencing are toxic. So you in your role as a legal practitioner need to actually... Be a little bit more human. And I think some of the complaints I've heard over the years um, from clients, you know, when they're talking about lawyers is you're just not normal. You you don't respect what I'm saying. You're not hearing what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. You shut me down. You don't want to hear certain things. And I think you need to let a victim survivor take you through their journey. You need to be able to tailor your interview techniques to pull what you need. It's almost you're strategically running your interview to allow them to speak, capture what you need without harming the individual when they're telling their story by shutting them down. Mm. Because you might be the first time they've actually disclosed it, but there's nothing wrong with saying these are supports because I think you could really value having some counselling. This is a free counselling service. So having your referrals all ready to go Mm. and then not drawing a negative conclusion if someone walks away Mm. and disengages because you need to know that trauma they've lived with that trauma for so long Mm. and what i see in my journey with my practice is normally it'll take maybe four or five times when we're engaging with a client where we're getting bits and pieces it gets too much they disengage and this is what we're seeing with police they'll ring up they'll want help then they won't and then the police complains well why should we help you're you wasting our time mm. and you can get this perception in from lawyers as well mm. why should you ha- why should i help you wasting my time mm. you need to understand trauma and the trauma journey and the trauma cycle mm. and you need to have a bit more empathy I'm not saying sympathy sympathy and empathy are two very different things mm. that's probably my my take on it be a little bit more human And I think some lawyers can forget that. It's just a transaction.
0: I feel that even in conversation Mm. with my husband, for example. He'll he'll start telling me, you know, how Mm. his day went. And I will say, yeah, yeah, get to the point. Yeah. So I've had to (laughs) pull myself back, even in just everyday conversation. Mm. But it's a tricky thing to balance in practice too, particularly if you're not in a position of authority and you've got billable targets and you can already assess this is only going to be X number of, you know, Mm. hours or units that I can expend here. So Mm. I need to get this person to open up within an hour meeting. And that's just not how life works. Maybe the profession needs to change.
1: Look, I absolutely agree. I think we do need to have a look at different ways because the interviewing techniques Especially if you are time poor, mm. um, if you're a duty lawyer, for example, someone's coming in wanting to just, you know, and you know that court's going to be calling you, mm. we need to structure a way where we can take and allow the time for instructions to be taken, especially when people are unpacking domestic and family violence, mm. and then sexual violence. Mm. Um, because sexual violence, people think, seem to think that people are very comfortable talking about many acts of sexual violence. Uh, no, they're not. It takes time to open up and unpack it. Mm-hmm. And you need to have a bit of an ear to pick up when they're alluding to an act that may be construed as a sexual violent act. How do you then unpack it? Mm-hmm. How do you then do that uh, without then traumatising that client and losing them, yes. um, but keeping them engaged? Um, now, these are skills, and I think we've got a duty with our practitioners, especially when you're dealing with domestic and family violence, to really invest in the type of training, so interview techniques, being more trauma informed. What are we talking about when we're talking about trauma informed? Because everyone thinks it's a great little buzzword mm. trauma informed, culturally aware. Mm. No, you know, it, it's almost becoming a very nuanced specialty. That's correct. But the skills that you gain, especially in interviewing, mm. are transferable. How do you get someone to come in, make them feel at ease as soon as they come into your room? Mm. And feel like they've known you for a long time and they can open up
0: can I say you've got that skill in spades because before we even hit record I was telling you my life story (laughs) No,
1: thank you thank you but these are things that have been honed and Mm. you learn that so these are the types of things I think as a profession Mm. how do we then pass that skilling on Mm. to get people very comfortable especially when they're working with vulnerable people Mm to make someone feel comfortable when they're coming in. And I think it's a skill that you can then use Mm. if you're in commercial practice, wherever you are. Absolutely. Mm. It's like you need to become um, a bit of a storyteller and a capturer, someone who captures those stories. Mm. But you've got to, I know there are time pressures. You can do it. Mm. You can do it. Mm. And I think my messaging would be you're continuing learning, Mm. you're honing your skills everywhere I go I'm picking up something I'll meet it doesn't matter taxi drivers are fantastic I'm always meeting and like that I like the way you just did that Mm. and you can learn how to really engage in conversations uh, and get a lot out when I look at how some taxi drivers do it it's a real natural technique and I'm like you just got me to unpack something I'd never speak about and you did that within five minutes I'm like wow yes you know I'm going to remember how you did that yeah you know so it's all around you and never think that you're you're the be all and know all no you're not no you know I think that that level of arrogance it's like why do you have that level level of arrogance about you yes it's a continuous learning journey
0: couldn't agree with you more here's my life story um (laughs) I always finish these interviews with a would you rather question and now I'm feeling really stupid for doing that no, because no this has been such a philosophical conversation and I'm going to really dumb it down. No, that's all good. So Thelma, Fel, yeah, if I may. Yep. Yeah. Would you rather be in the Guinness World Book of Records for something really, really stupid but world famous or achieve something great but no one ever knows your name?
1: Achieve something great, but no one ever knows my name. I've always flown under the radar. I'd rather have anonymity, very private. Mm. So you know, when you're younger, God, you know, I was one of that crew down at the pub. Every social event, I was there.
0: Oh God, but, I couldn't think of anything worse. I yeah, know, but
1: yeah, that's my answer to that one. I somewhat suspected that would be your answer. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. No, for thank your you. Time. Thank you. Look, I hope your listeners get something out of it. It's a bit different.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for this week on The Briefcase. It's time to close her up. See you next time. I'm Sarah Corral, and this is The Briefcase.